Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit fightradio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest joining us from the UK is Dr. Danny Penman, and we'll be talking about the book that he co-authored with Mark Williams called Deeper Mindfulness, The Way to Rediscover Calm in a Chaotic World. There are moments in life that decide your fate. They ripple into the future and dictate how you will experience the world in the moments that follow, either positive and uplifting, dark and chaotic, or flat and dull. In deeper mindfulness, Oxford professor Mark Williams and Dr. Danny Penman reunite to present a new eight-week guided meditation program that takes mindfulness to the next level. Deeper mindfulness reveals how the latest advances in neuroscience combined with millennia-old wisdom can be harnessed to transform your life. These discoveries open the doors to a deeper layer of mindfulness known as feeling tone. This sets the background color that guides your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. It is also the tipping point from which you can reclaim your life in an increasingly stressful and chaotic world. Proven effective at treating anxiety, stress, and depression, the practices in deeper mindfulness offer a new and more fruitful direction for both novice and experienced meditators. It also allows the rest of us to approach life with a renewed strength, vigor, and equanimity. For more information, you can visit franticworld.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Dr. Danny Penman to the show. Good day, Danny. Hello. Thank you for inviting me on your program. I'm so happy to have you here and back again. I mean, it has been a number of years <laughs> since we spoke, so... <laughs> I'm glad to see that you're you're continuing your work. So, well, yes, um, it's one of those subjects. You know, I I love. It's given me great benefit personally, and you know, when you, when you come across something really good and really useful, it's it's a, it's a great pleasure to share it with the world. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I want to first start talking about uh, a bit about mindfulness um, before we get into deeper mindfulness. So, would you kind of um, explain for our listeners, you know, just a, a bit about your um, your work and your background and understanding of what mindfulness is. Yes, I mean, mindfulness is quite simply full conscious awareness of uh, whatever is going on in the present moment. 
it's being aware of uh, all of the thoughts and feelings and emotions that are flowing through your mind and your body without becoming attached to them and without worrying about the future and, uh, you know, getting tangled up in the past and your memories. So it's really full conscious awareness is being present in the moment, not living for the moment, but just living in the moment. And when you do that, you suddenly realise that most of your uh, anxiety, stress, unhappiness just just falls away. Um, and, you know, this, this state of mind has traditionally been cultivated um, using uh, mindfulness meditations, you know, very simple practices such as paying very close attention to, to, the, to your breathing, uh, uh, you know, really quite simple practices like that, but you can also take it out into the real world, as it were, just by, if, for example, if you're walking through a park or down a street, paying attention to what's going on around you, um, you know, the sights, sounds, smells, um, noises, um, you know, whatever is there, just paying attention to it uh, as, uh, you know, as, as closely as you can without getting too tangled up in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, um, I understand, you know, from from your, the program that was in your book, Mindfulness, Finding Peace, in a frantic world, that the program included in that book um, was used in some clinical trials. Um, so, you know, in the University of Cambridge. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the idea of, you know, and the importance of, of having those clinical trials? Yes. Um, in, in, our, in our first book, as it were, you know, Mindfulness, Finding Peace in a Frantic World, that is a slimmed-down version of what's known as mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And a great many full-scale clinical trials now have shown that um, MBCT is at least as good as uh, medicines uh, or counselling for the relief of you know, the worst forms of depression, the most agonising, uh, dark depressions. It's also extremely good for anxiety and stress. And it's now used across uh, our health system in the UK because once you reach you know, a certain level of, of clinical proof, treatments are adopted and recommended. So it's used right across our health system now. Uh, and HMOs across the US use mindfulness-based cognitive therapy too. And what we tried to do with, uh, with our original book, Mindfulness, was find a way of bringing these quite detailed, long-running uh, treatments into, into something that's a bit more manageable for most people. So instead of asking people to meditate for 45 minutes a day, we asked them to meditate for 10 to 20 minutes a day. And it contains simpler practices as well. So it's a way of taking, you know, one of the most robust treatments out there and simplifying it, shortening it. And we found, uh, which is extremely heartening, that actually if you do this, if you slim down MVCT, you actually get, uh, you know, a, a still remarkably effective uh, treatment. And in fact, our book, 
uh, mindfulness um, itself has been shown in several clinical trials, you know, large-scale clinical trials involving hundreds of people, that it is highly effective, uh, a highly effective treatment for, for anxiety, stress, and depression. Um, and it's been used um, throughout uh, the university, uh, a great number of universities in the UK, uh, and across the health system as well. Yeah, and, and you know, I've, the idea of, you know, clinical trials, you know, and the ability to reproduce, you know, significant results, you know, yes. is um, one of the, the best ways of affirming a, a particular program. Uh, oh, absolutely. Now, it, yeah. Now, in NBCT, um, yeah. you teach people how to decenter. And now one of the things that, you know, when people are kind of learning meditation, that kind of thing, one of the focus, the idea was to become centered. So can you talk a little bit about the idea, you know, of, you know, center versus decenter? Yes. Um, when, for, for many, many years, people have wondered, you know, uh, why does meditation, and mind in particular, have this remarkably powerful effect. And also, you know, can you get the same benefits from counselling? You know, do they work in a similar way? And what people have found is that all of the, all these effective treatments have got one thing in common. They encourage people to decenter away from their troubles. Um, mm. So instead of becoming, uh, you know, any, anybody who is clinically depressed, spends an enormous amount of time just running through. It's almost like a script in the mind about how useless they are, how they'll never get out of this terrible situation. And they chase themselves down into a very, very negative uh, rabbit hole. Yes, it's one of, one of the characteristics of depression is rumination, the endless repeating of, of negative thoughts. Now, what... Uh, for example, conventional therapies like uh, CBT, you know, cognitive behaviour therapy, encourage people to question um, their thoughts, you know, to ask themselves uh, questions. You know, is it really true that I'm useless? Is it really true that I'm always this unhappy, always this de depressed? Is it true that everybody really does hate me? And as soon as you start questioning the truthfulness of your thoughts, it kind of undermines them. It makes you realise that actually, while sometimes thoughts are true, sometimes they're not true. You know, thoughts are, you know, pop into the mind and, you know, a lot of the time they are true. Um, but if you're depressed, they tend not to be true. Now, so you're kind of decentering away. Uh, for, from that core problem, really, from your core troubles, from the core depression. You're broadening your horizon. You're broadening your awareness. And mindfulness does the same thing. But instead of uh, questioning, you, 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 you observe your, the rise and fall of your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions. And that teaches you something extremely important, which is often they arise, you know, as if from nowhere, and then they stay for a while and then they pass away. So you don't have to do anything, you just have to observe. And often your most negative and distressing states of mind, if you just allow them to be, 
they will just dissipate of their own accord. And, you know, they, so they, it has a very similar effect to, to counselling. Yes, they all share this process of, of decentering. Now, I think when people um, talk about decentering, you know, in a, for the want of a better term, you know, a new age perspective, um, mm-hmm. what they're doing is talking about discovering themselves and kind of becoming rooted in their bodies and rooted in their mind and, you know, uh, and then they can look outwards. So, I think it's, yeah, it, it, it's basically the same word being used for two different things, really. Um, but, you know, in a psychological sense, decentering is broadening your awareness. Okay, good, good. Um, now, there are some key insights from your new book. Well, first of all, your new book, Deeper Mindfulness. Um, it, it, can you talk, I mean, it's a, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, it's an eight-week program that you yeah. include in that, in that. So, tell us a, a, a bit about um, the program that, that yeah. is included with that. Yes. Well, what we were trying to do, really, is, is once it was discovered how mindfulness works, you know, the fact that you can observe a stream of thoughts appearing in your mind and each thought triggers another and another and another. So you learn to see your thoughts as if they're a stream of thoughts, as if you're standing on a riverbank or a stream and watching your um, thoughts just flow back, flow past, without getting entangled in them. Now, we thought, wouldn't it be great if you could actually go a little bit further up that stream to the moment just before your thoughts and feelings and emotions appeared in the mind? And before, crucially, before they've had a chance to run away. Now, that doesn't sound possible. You know, how can you become aware of thoughts and feelings and emotions before they've actually appeared in your mind and body? <laughs> well, actually, there is an ancient practice um, uh, known as feeling tone or feeling tone meditations. Um, in the ancient world, it's known as, known as Vedana. And what this does is uh, it asks you to pay attention to... Um, just to your body and to your mind. And crucially, what will happen is, if you learn to do this in a very special way, you will see that just before your thoughts appear, your mind and body instantly categorizes them very simply, very purely, as either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And those intensities, that's almost like a ground state, and then a moment or two later, um, they trigger a whole cascade of thoughts and feelings and emotions. So, what you can do is you can become aware of that moment uh, that these Vedana appear in your mind and then trigger this cascade. And if you see the cascade uh, appearing, and you can then begin to kind of make allowances for... Uh, make allowances for, you know, your, your negative states of mind. Um, excuse me a moment. 
A cough always appears at the wrong moment. Um, <laughs> no, yes. No, no. <laughs> um, yes, you can learn to, uh, you know, make make allowances for your own uh, foibles, as it were, before they've had a chance to run away with you. Now, it gives you, you know, a tremendous sense of perspective, and that is tremendously therapeutic in your own, you know, in its own right. And, you know, it, 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 the idea or the, having the ability to uh, see and feel thoughts and feelings and emotions before they appear in the mind um, is, you know, is a tremendously powerful therapy. And, you know, this is one of the, the two ideas in our book that um, learning how to sense this aspect of mindfulness, the feeling tone, can become a highly effective way of relieving anxiety and stress and depression. And, and the second core idea in, in our new book, Deeper Mindfulness, is that um, based in the work by retuning or recalibrating a core process in the mind. And this is a really weird concept that you know we'll, we'll come to in a moment. Um, you know, the, what's very very interesting is. There's this practice that is two and a half thousand years old, and it you know corresponds to um, you know some of the latest ideas in neuroscience about how where you know how distress appears in the mind and, and runs away with us. Yeah. So, so um, go ahead. You're really me. Yeah. Um, okay. So what's crucial is um, really. It sounds very simple, but these feeling tones only do ever appear in these three flavours, you know, of pleasant, unpleasant, uh, or neutral. And, you know, from what, what I find absolutely fascinating is, you know, I said that this is the ground state, like the trigger for uh, all of our thoughts and feelings and emotions. Well, it seems to go back to the earliest stages of the evolution, because... Um, even the simplest organisms, you know, amoeba, bacteria, whatever, have to distinguish between things that are pleasant, you know, uh, nutrients, light, that kind of thing, unpleasant, you know, toxins or dark or cold, and neutral. And this encourages them to, you know, if things are good, if something is loosely categorized as pleasant, uh, you know, to move towards that. And if things are unpleasant, to move away from them. And if, you know, things are fine or neutral, you know, just to sit, sit tight. And, you know, this, you know, this is the essence of Vedana. It helps all living creatures, all living beings, distinguish between the things that they should move towards or pleasant, and those that we should move away from, which is unpleasant, and encourages you or them to sit tight if everything is fine. Now, you know, people are a lot more complex than amoeba. It doesn't always feel like it, <laughs> but we are actually a lot more complicated. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So we actually have a very special difficulty when it comes to, uh, you know, this, this beta. You know, our mental life is so complicated that we can just become lost inside of it. So 
all of our thoughts and feelings and emotions also trigger these feeling tones. And so, for example, if we get an unpleasant feeling tone, um, you know, trigger the whole cascade of negativity, and each one of those triggers another layer of negativity and another layer and another layer and another layer. And it can create immense, absolutely immense distress. Now, if you are able to see this process as it happens, you know, you, you can just step aside from your troubles. Now, in mindfulness, you know, if you go on a mindfulness course or, you know, practice mindfulness, this idea of Vedana, of feeling tone, is kind of there in the background, you know. There's only so much you can learn on a mindfulness course, so it's kind of implicit in mindfulness that, you know, we learn, you know, we want to grab hold and keep things that are pleasant, you know, craving, or push things away that are unpleasant, you know, aversion. Um, and what the program in our new book does is, is take that idea and makes it a lot more explicit, you know. So instead of it being buried in the background, um, you know, we, we bring it out into the open. And we found that it is just as effective as, you know, straightforward mindfulness, but it's, it's, it's easier to do. Um, now, a lot of this sounds quite nebulous. Am I making myself clear? <laughs> no, you know, you do. Well, in, in fact, you know, excuse me, the, um, the idea of feeling tone or Vedana yeah. was new to me, you know, when I was going through and reading and, you know, really hadn't heard about it. But, yeah. um, it, it, to me, it made sense in the, um, in the recognition that our feelings really drive our actions, you know, in many ways. So yeah. that, you know, like, you know, the whole idea of, you know, fake it till you make it, you know, the idea, you know, to me that always yeah. seemed um, kind of fruitless. You know, if you didn't believe, if you didn't feel that particular, you know, sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, and that really kind of goes back to, yeah. um, I guess, the basic um, – yeah belief system makeup, you know, that we, yeah. we each have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a really good way of looking at it or thinking about them is they're balance points in the mind. You know, the, the, the mind is of necessity. It, it, it always sits on a knife. You know, it's always ready to react. And, you know, if, if a uh, feeling turn appears, uh, it, it can tip your thoughts one way. If a different feeling tone appears, it can tip you the other way. And uh, this is why we often feel as if we're being pushed and pulled around by the world. And actually, we're being pushed and pulled around by our kind of interpretation of the world because we live so much inside of our minds that, um, you know, our th thoughts... Feelings, they can just run away with us so, so easily because we are constantly on a knife edge. And once you start to do these meditations, you realize just, uh, you know, how, how powerful this is. You know, these, uh, the, the first time you do one of the med feeling tone meditation, uh, 
you suddenly realise that it's basically being pushed and pulled around throughout most of your life. You know, there's this feeling that lasts a few moments and then immediately afterwards, uh, you know, your mind is just pulled off in a, in a, in a seemingly random direction. And, you know, once you see this process, once you feel this process, it gives you so much more control over your life. You know, especially if you are depressed or stressed or anxious, um, you, you, you know, you just realize how febrile you have become. And, you know, the wonderful thing about these meditations is that sense of regaining control or a measure of control over your life. And that is why, you know, the, the techniques are so very, very powerful. Yeah, very much. Um, we're, we're just about halfway through, uh, so, Danny, so I want to take a quick, quick break because there's other topics on that. I don't want to start <laughs> before the break. Um, but uh, hmm. we'll just go ahead and pick things up um, after this short break, okay? Okay, yeah. Okay. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, BikeRadio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, BiteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest joining us from the U.K. is Dr. Danny Penman, and we're talking about the book and program that he co-authored with Mark Williams called Deeper Mindfulness, The Way to Rediscover Calm in a Chaotic World. And again, you can find out more by visiting the website franticworld.com. Okay, so that we're back, Danny. Hello, I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, as I was going through and becoming familiar with them, I noticed that um, one particular insight um, stated that we're stuck inside a personal simulation of the real world. that was like, okay, <laughs> okay can you talk yeah. um, a little bit about that idea of a, a personal simulation? Yes. Now, at first glance, it sounds completely crazy. 
Uh, it sounds <laughs> like uh, we are saying that actually the matrix was true, and uh, you know we we are living inside a computer. You know, uh, and we are saying that at all. Uh, what's very interesting is is one of the latest ideas in neuroscience and is gaining real traction is the idea that the mind does not work in, uh, remotely in the way we assume it does. Now, I'm just going to go back a few steps to explain this. Um, the idea in our book is that an awful lot of mental distress is a result of a core process in the mind going increasingly astray. And it's possible to reverse this key process by learning how to recognise our, our feeling tones in this very special way. Now, to see how this happens, um, it's necessary to learn a little bit more about this new idea and most intriguing idea in neuroscience. And this is that it takes an enormous amount of mental effort, conscious of the, of the present moment. So, in a sense, we're always living on the back foot. But nature's got around this problem by giving us a brain that predicts the future. It's like an autocorrect, it just predicts what's coming next. So the brain or the mind constructs a, a simplified model of the world that is constantly updated and enriched by um, information from our senses. So it's constantly predicting what's going to happen next. Uh, so what we regard as the present moment is actually a stunningly realistic illusion that's created by the mind. You know, it's an illusion so compelling that we actually mistake it for reality. And this is called a simulation, and the process it relies upon is known as um, predictive processing. So that example you brought up of, you know, autocorrect, you know, you, you are... You are writing a, a, a text message uh, and, you know, the machine, the phone, guesses what word you are trying to write and then offers up an alternative, you know, or offers up what it regards as the most likely word. So you start typing in, say you want to tell your wife or husband that you want to, you're going home, you type in the letter H and the context tells it but the most likely so it flashes up the word home and then the next word and the next word and the next word. That's kind of how the mind works. You know, it constantly predicts what information the, the senses are about to send to the brain. So, in practice, what this means is we don't truly see the world. We see what our mind thinks the world is about to look like. Yeah, the same is true for all of our other senses as well. The mind predicts what we're about to hear, feel, taste and smell. So in practice, it's this prediction or simulation of experience rather than the real, real world. Um, and you know, this is really only the only way, you know, if you take a step back and you think of the deluge of information that, or the, how complicated, how fast moving the world is, the brain has to construct this model that's simple so that we can react in science, so that we can take in some meaning about what's going on around us and react accordingly. And, you know, as you can imagine, this is an amazingly complicated process, you know, and 
it's yeah, it's not just similar to autocorrect, uh, you know, on a phone. It's a way that you know streaming services such as Netflix operate. They they send bare bones data about what's in the scene, and then they just constantly update that scene, you know, frame by frame by frame. And it allows uh, those streaming services to radically reduce the amount of information that is sent to your television and radically reduces the amount of processing that's required. Um, you know, and the brain just does something that's conceptually very similar indeed. Um, now, uh, is, that, is that clear? Am I... Uh, it's, you know, it's right on the edges of neuroscience here and it's, uh, it's quite complicated. No, but it, it, it is clear. And, and you know, I yeah. found, you know, that um, the idea, because to me it was just, you know, a fascinating look, you know, kind of as the way the brain operates. Um, now, yeah. Yeah. like, like crap, you know, yeah. um, it, it bases the possibility of, of words or, you know, Based on previous, um, yeah, selects, I guess, for lack of a yeah. better word. So, yeah. would the predictive processing of the brain also shift based on, you know, various repeated choices? Yes. I mean, a good example, right? You're walking through a park, your local park. Uh, you've been, uh, maybe hundreds of times, perhaps thousands of times before. So a quick glance at the park and your brain can then retrieve all of the information about that park that it needs. You know, it knows the colour of the leaves, the colour of the path, the smell of the air, uh, you know, the feel of the wind on your face. You know, it can conjure up an extremely ac accurate model of what is going on in the present moment just through a quick glance. And that radically reduces the amount of processing and, uh, you know, mind space that is required to, for you to experience that moment. And, you know, in practice what happens is the data from our senses, you know, what we're seeing or hearing, for example, is really used to error check the simulation to make sure that actually you are experiencing a, a pretty accurate uh, view of, of, of what's going on in that moment. So in practice, the only time that we really live in the present moment and experience the real world is when we make a mistake, you know, when something unexpected happens, you know, like if you trip down a step, for example, um, uh, or slip over, or if you're walking towards a door, and you're expecting it to open inwards, and actually it opens outward, for example. Those are the only minds, those are the only times that you actually experience the present moment, when something unexpected happens, and you jolt back into, into full awareness. So, you know, much, now this has huge implications for mental health, and for mental distress, because, um, you know, much of our distress, in a way, can be seen as a simulation that's becoming increasingly less accurate. You know, you know, if you're really, if you're not paying attention to what is going on 
around you uh, in in the present moment. You know, your brain's simulation can drift ever so slowly away from uh, you know perfect accuracy. You know, it it, it just drifts your the accuracy becomes well increasingly inaccurate. You know. Um, so you're just slowly drifting away from reality and that's what kind of mental distress is in many ways you know not for everybody but for a great many people they you know moments of distress can build and build and build and um, you know you can end up uh, becoming extremely depressed or anxious because your simulation of the world is going increasingly astray it's becoming increasingly less accurate. Now, I want to be really, really clear that you know, this idea of a simulation doesn't mean that if you're feeling you know, anxious, stressed, depressed, or in pain, that you're in, that you in any way at all making these feelings up. You, know, you are truly feeling those things. What it means is that the origin of them and the mechanisms that underpin them are different what you may have believed, you know. Uh, the brain, the mind is doing its best to understand the world. It's not, <clears throat> it's not always accurate. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's, so what I suppose, now if you, you know, it seems highly likely that this idea of a simulation and predictive processing is, 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 you know, how the brain works, how the mind works. Now, this gives us a profoundly powerful and new way to relieve distress. Because if we can correct, uh, you know, our inaccurate um, simulation of the world, um, then, you know, we, we, we can restore our kind of... Uh, joy to be, you know, our, our love of life by simply paying attention, you know, that, and that's how mindfulness and, you know, counselling seems to work, you know, it reconnects us with the present moment, which enhances the accuracy of the, uh, of, our, of simulation, it enhances our accuracy of perception of the world, and, you know, for most people, most of the time, accurate perception of the world um, leads to, you know, uh, well, happiness, really. Uh, certainly a lessening of distress. Yeah. And, you know, this, this, is, this seems to be how mindfulness works. This becoming present, becoming connected to the present moment is, yeah, is how mindfulness works. Now, the pro, if you learn to pay attention to the feeling tones, you know, to this Veda, um, that is even more effective because it actually goes upstream, you know, it allows you to sense before, uh, the moment before your simulation, your perception is going wrong. And, you know, that, that, that is, that means Using these feeling tone meditations, these Vedana, can be a very, very powerful therapy, very, very powerful treatment. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, getting, you know, 
I guess back to the the source or the the beginning of yeah. of the thought. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, really would help yeah. in, um, directing what Yes. Yeah. 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 Let me just explain it a slightly different way. Mindfulness and conventional therapies work by essentially helping people get a more accurate assessment of the situation. So if somebody says, uh, my life's awful, it's always been awful, I've always been depressed, you know, you can start questioning the accuracy of their thoughts. And mindfulness goes a little bit further and allows you to see how your negative thoughts and feelings and emotions just rise and fall and just appear in the mind. And gradually you learn to, well, they no longer stick to you and become part of you, as it were. And these feeling tone meditations go even further, they go even further upstream. So instead of just, you know, reconnecting with the world by, you know, questioning it, questioning your thoughts and their accuracy, you actually really begin to feel it right away through to your bones, you just really feel what is real and what is not real, what is accurate and what is inaccurate. Now, for most people, most of the time, if they have a more accurate picture of the world and their life and of their you know, innate significance, uh, that relieves an awful lot of worry, anxiety, stress, unhappiness, exhaustion, and also physical pain sometimes, you know. Um, and this is why, you know, the program in our book, it's eight weeks, and we teach very simple meditations, and you progressively come to see and to feel the feeling tones. And this, by being more closely connected to yourself and to the world, uh, your simulation, that your perception of the world is more accurate, and a more accurate um, perception uh, means you are on balance, happier and healthier. Yeah, yeah, very much. Now, there were, I want, I want to kind of highlight a couple of the meditations yeah. that were covered in, in the book and then you can kind of, you know, give us some. Um, one of the things you, you know, you were just talking about being more aware of our presence. One of the meditations is called the body scan meditation. Yeah. Um, can you talk, talk a little bit about that? Yes. Before you can learn to sense these feeling tones, um, you need to really be connected uh, to your body to have a real good sense of the way uh, you know physical sensations rise and fall in the body. And you know, this is a Meditation is actually shared with, uh, you know, uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy and our previous book. And it's actually, I think, in MDSR, you know, mindfulness-based stress reduction, you know, they all, you know, use these very simple body scan meditations that really uh, connect you to your body. Because, you know, for an awful lot of people, they spend most of their time you know, living solely in their mind. You know, they, in, a, in a very real sense, they've lost a connection to their body. And actually, the body is 
uh, you know, as important as the brain. You know, we do as much thinking with our bodies as with our brains. Uh, you know, it is the root of all of our senses. And if we lose connection with our body, we just live, we're almost like, become like a brain floating in a vat, you know. <laughs> you know, we just, you know, it's very dark inside of our heads. And we rely on data from our bodies to tell us what the world is like out there. And that's why a body scan is so profoundly important. You know, it's, it's one of the first steps. And when you really sense your body, you, you'll find it very much easier to sense these um, feeling tones. Because often they're very physical. You know, it depends on the person. Um, mm -hmm. most people gain a sense of these feeling tones by, you know, a really uh, strong sense in their body. You know, I feel them, I, you know, in, in my uh, stomach, in my abdomen. Uh, some people really feel them in their, in their throat or their neck. And so they get a very powerful physical sensation. And their brain, their mind instantly categorizes it as, you know, pleasant unpleasant one either and if it's unpleasant you know it will try to trigger a whole cascade of negativity and they'll they will want to push um you know this away you know they, they it's unpleasant they want to get rid of it they want to push it away they, you know they'll do almost anything to get rid of it and they that causes the body to tense up which then the uh, the mind interprets again as unpleasant, and then you get so you get this cascade of negativity down, which triggers you know negative thoughts and feelings and emotions. Was actually, if you see that process and look at it and just let it fall away, you're breaking that chain. You know, you know you you spot the appearance of an unpleasant feeling tone. And a few moments later, maybe a pleasant one will appear, and then maybe an unpleasant and an unpleasant and an unpleasant one, and then a positive one, a pleasant one. And so instead of being pushed and pulled around by all of these chains of negativity, you you know you you just see them for what they are, which is the rise and fall of these feeling tones. And to do that, you really need to start with a body scan meditation. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> um, now, beyond the, the body scan meditation, you know, you were talking about you know, kind of getting in touch with the body, but you also have a med meditation called Mindful Movement Meditation. Oh, yes. So, yes. You know, so, you know, talk a little bit about that because, you know, when a lot of people are thinking about meditation, they're thinking about stillness in a way, you know, kind of. Um, you know, being, they don't think of movement necessarily. So, so talk a little bit about that because, you know, movement really encompasses a great part of our day. It does, it does. You know, um, we always think uh, it's such a part of our culture that, you know, the mind and body are separate. And actually, they're an integrated whole. And, you know, a lot of us, we no longer pay attention to uh, the way we move, you know. Um, our body is literally, it's like a machine for carrying around our brain, 
you know, unfortunately. And actually, a good part of our thinking is done or has its genesis in our bodies. Um, you know, the, the root, all of the sensory data flows from our body and into the brain. <clears throat> and, you know, unless we pay attention to our body, um, you know, we, we, we lose a good part of contact with reality. And so mindful movement, just paying attention to the way the body moves, is hugely important. You know, it, again, it's like a body scan. It's reconnecting the mind and the body, you know, because they, they are or should be just one indivisible whole. Uh, but often it's not. And mindful movement helps that process of reintegration. Yeah, okay, well, good. Now, um, one of the things I do want to um, bring up is that uh, you do offer on your Frantic World website um, several free samples of meditations yeah. for yes. people. And, and, and just for, for those listening, um, what you would do is you would do franticworld.com, forward slash, and then a hyphen between each of these words, free meditations from deeper mindfulness. So free yes. hyphen, meditation hyphens. So I went through those, and, you know, it really gave me a good, you know, idea as to the type of, um, you know, what, what the meditations sound like. And, you know, and for me, it was, um, it was easier for me to be able to recognize the benefits of the meditations when I kind of sampled them, you know, because, you know, just uh, without hearing them, sometimes it's hard to really kind of put into place and recognize there's something useful for you. Um, so, in one of them is called... Um, Finding your ground when you first wake up. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, tell us um, a little bit about that one because that one I, I've used several times, you know, since I first discovered them, um, there. And, um, and it's quite interesting because that, that period when you first wake up can really hold the key to a lot of information. It can. And what's very interesting, um, is when you wake up, you often have the uh, similar feeling to being depressed. You, know, you, you wake up, um, you feel a bit heavy and lethargic, and you know you, you may not want to get up out of bed. And uh, you know, for many, many people, okay, particularly if they've been depressed in the past or they're just going through the early stages of a depression, just that feeling of waking up can actually trigger a full-blown depression. Just because, it, you know, a lot of these feelings are locked into the body, you know, that sense of tiredness and hopelessness and inability to get out of bed. And it triggers negative thoughts as well, because, as I said, you know, a lot of uh, our thoughts originate in the body. And if the body is just tired because it's just woken up and doesn't want to be awake that can trigger a depression and it can certainly 
trigger enough negative thoughts to ruin the first part of the day, then that can trigger a whole cascade of negativity that spills through the day and then from one day into another and another and another. And it's not that waking up triggers a depression, but it can reactivate you know, negative states of mind and re- negative states in the body that mimics depression and then, you know, habits do the rest. You know, it becomes built into our simulation, as it were. And keep paying attention to those first moments in the day and realising that actually this is just how waking up feels a lot of the time. It's not the start of the depression. It's just how waking up feels. It's how, you know, the the clocks have changed. Uh, It's dark outside. You don't want to get up. That's its only significance. It's not the start of the depression. But you have to do these meditations, experience them to realize that actually, you know, you can avoid depression by paying attention to how you feel and what you think in the mornings. Yeah, 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 I enjoyed that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So well, we're down toward the end of the show here, Danny. So what is yeah. it that you, Mark, hope the reader and the listener um, will get from deeper meditation? Well, it's aimed at... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, hopefully it will radically improve their life. (laughs) Um, You know, it's really for people... It's really for several groups of people, actually. It's for people who have done mindfulness courses in the past or read books and want to take their practice a little bit further. But in the clinical trial and from our own, own experience of teaching, we've also discovered that novice meditators people who've never meditated in their lives gain an awful lot of benefit from uh, doing these feeling tone meditations. And, you know, that's, that's really good. That's really useful because, you know, a lot of people will have uh, picked up our previous book that sold a couple of million copies now and wanting to go further. And then there'll be people who are in bookshops or whatever who want a mindfulness book, not sure which one to buy, uh, think our old one, you know, has been superseded, um, and want to go for the new one. Uh, it hasn't really been superseded, it's just that this new one taps into a different dimension, you know, a different level, really. Yeah. So, yeah, we really hope that, that there's a lot of people out there who have done mindfulness in the past, uh, maybe stop doing it for whatever reason and, you know, or feel they can take their practice deeper. It, the book is for them. But it's going to be equally beneficial for people who've never done mindfulness before at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. And I, I particularly yeah. really like, you know, the the addition of the um, Vedana uh, feeling tone aspect, you know, because... The, uh, Absolutely, yeah. It feels right. Yeah, I mean, what's what's very interesting is the fact that there is, there is, you know, in mindfulness, there is, at its base level, uh, this concept of Veda, but it's just never made explicit, you know? Um, there's, there's only so much you can learn on an eight-week course. Um, and there's this aspect that, you know, 
it's really worth exploring and will provide a huge amount of benefit for 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 a lot of people, you know. Um, and, you know, the, the clinical trial that was, has just been published, this was carried out at uh, Oxford and uh, several other universities around the world. And it is, you know, at least as effective as conventional mindfulness, you know, the kind of mindfulness people have learned on an MBCT or an MBSR, uh, sorry, MBSR course, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really enjoyed our conversation with Annie, Ruth, from our previous one, and I'll probably yeah. keep an eye out for another one. Yeah. Keep it. <laughs> Mindfulness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, um, we're currently training teachers, mindfulness teachers, to take this course and to teach other people. It's being run out of Oxford University. Um, Mark is coming to America. Uh, he's visiting about four or five uh, big cities to major mindfulness institutions around the U.S. And he'll be teaching this new course, and you know, hopefully, they will take it out and you know, share the benefits. Well, great. Well, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for Mark's tour, and yep. um, we'll give a shout out uh, to uh, followers and listeners. You know, in those various locations, uh, maybe bump up the, the little the participation level in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, we are, you know, it's, it's really nice. We spent the best about five or six years researching this. Um, uh, well, writing it, really. There's it, it, a lot more research, kind of eight or ten years, I suppose. Um, just trying to find out why does mindfulness work and can we make it better? Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time, Danny. I appreciate yeah. it. This was a, yeah. I really enjoyed our conversation. I also yeah. enjoyed the, the sample meditations that you offer. Right, right. Yeah, it, yeah. those meditations will be there, you know, forever. Um, so, you know, people, more, you know, we'd love it if any of your readers head to franticworld.com, go to the resources section, and, you, you know, you, you will find the meditations there. Great, great. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you for having me on the program again. And uh, hopefully it won't be so long next time. Until next time. (laughs) Hopefully not. Yeah. Brilliant. Again, everyone, today my special guest is joining us from the UK, then Dr. Danny Penman, and we've been talking about the book and program that he has co-authored with Mark Williams called Deeper Mindfulness, The New Way to Rediscover Calm, in a chaotic world, and again, you can find out more by visiting the website, which is franticworld.com. And everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show, and until we meet again, 